This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Invest Talk. This is a new series by The Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. At Invest Talk, we talk money matters and all things related to investing. We want to give you that extra edge in managing your hard-earned money. This is Ven Srinivasan, Associate Editor at The Straits Times. I have with me as my guest today, Thilan Vikramasinghe, Regional Research Director at Maybank. Now, in this episode recorded in early March 2023, we will be discussing interest rates, inflation, recession, and its impact on financial markets, and in particular, risk assets such as stocks. We will be focusing on the region, and in particular, the Singapore stock market, to see where the threats and opportunities lie, and how investors should position themselves amid current, volatile, and uncertain macro and micro conditions. Hi, Tillan. Thank you for being with us today. Great to be here, Van. Tillan, it has been a volatile start to the year for markets. Stocks kicked off on a strong note, but seem to be losing some steam of late. There seems to be a lot more volatility. Inflation, though trending down, is running at multi-year highs. Central banks are keeping interest rates high, and economic growth seems to be under pressure. And to add to all of this, the supply chain crunch does not seem to show any signs of significant easing yet. And food and energy prices remain stubbornly high as the war in Ukraine grinds on. The US Federal Reserve seems determined to stick to its 2% inflation target, and Chairman Powell has not indicated any possibility for a pivot to rate cuts this year. Economists seem to be penciling in at least two more 25 basis point rate hikes this year, with the best-case scenario being a pause only in early 2024. The increasing consensus seems to be that the Fed funds rate will be well over 5.25% for 2023. This higher for longer rate scenario has also strengthened the US dollar, resulting in capital outflows from many emerging economies as their weaker currencies have made their capital markets less attractive. This has made it more difficult for companies in these countries to raise funds through capital markets. So, Tilan, given everything that's happening, what's the likely impact of all this on risk assets and in particular on stocks? Sure. I think what we have is a crisis of confidence across all risk assets. Look, the rally that took place in the S&P since October last year has been predicated on inflation coming down, policy rates peaking, and then rate cuts coming fairly quickly thereafter, and the US and major economies having a soft landing. Now, all of this requires disinflation to take place and central banks have to be satisfied that the job is done. But the economy looks very strong. The data from the US still remains very robust. Pending home sales, which just came out last Monday, showed it has increased most since June 2020. Unemployment rates are 53-year lows. This doesn't look like an economy that is cooling off and heading towards a 2% inflation target that the Fed has been talking about. So central banks will have to do more. They will have no choice but to keep on hiking rates until things cool down. Uh, This will have a negative impact on equities in general, as earnings yields will need to rise to keep up with the rate hikes. And it will also impact the credit markets because given the fact that the yields there also will need to rise. And I also think there's downside for much more speculative assets like crypto as well. Right. 
Okay, let's narrow down to regional markets. It's often said that Southeast Asia remains a sea of relative calm amid all the turbulence elsewhere in the world. What is your view on this? What does it say about valuation and the growth potential of equity markets around the region? So Southeast Asian markets have actually fared pretty well year to date. They have been resilient, especially markets like Singapore, Philippines, Indonesia, where the indexes have actually held up quite well. Now, earlier, I said that rising rates are bad for equities. However, here we need to make a distinction between value and growth stocks. Companies that are burning a lot of cash pursuing growth and not making much profits, therefore having very low or negative earnings yields, uh, become less appealing, especially when you have a very high risk-free uh, rates of returns from the U.S. government. On the other hand, companies in established industries that have mature market presence have higher earnings yields, which makes them a lot more attractive. Now, these are called value companies. Now, if you look at Southeast Asian indexes, by their nature, most of these indexes are comprised of value companies. They are dominated by old world industries, such as the financials, utilities, energy, real estate, natural resources. Now, take the S&P on the other hand. Nearly 40% of that index is made out of tech stocks and communication services companies. So basically, growth companies. In Southeast Asia, that proportion is only about 10%. So this makes Southeast Asia a very attractive investment destination. On top of this, I also see two mega trends that will further increase the relevance of the region over the next few years. The first is supply chains shifting from North Asia to Southeast Asia. With China opening up, the process will actually become even faster, not slower. This is because increasingly, as US and China, there's quite a bit of tension there, and companies are looking to reduce their risks and increase redundancies uh, by friendshoring and nearshoring. And if you look at Southeast Asia, the infrastructure that is available right now to support this is far more superior than some of the other up-and-coming regions like India or Latin America. So this is a competitive advantage. Now, second, there is an increasing asset allocation to sustainable investing. Now, Southeast Asia has a lot of brown industries, so sectors that emit a lot of carbon, uh, like utilities, mining, oil and gas. These will all need to transition to low emissions by 2050 to keep in line with the Paris Climate Accords. Uh, this will require a lot of investments, which the equity markets will also play a major part in financing. Right. So first, there's the opportunity in the China plus one strategy that global companies are adopting. The second is the move towards ESG, the opportunities in this region as companies go towards sustainable investing. Good. Okay, Dylan, volatility is often said to be a two-sided coin. It presents threats and it presents opportunities as well. What should investors do in the current climate of uncertainty and volatile markets? What are the opportunities in the coming months? What are some interesting themes and sectors to keep in mind? How does one position oneself in a market like this? When you're absolutely right. During times of uncertainty, that is also when you get the greatest opportunities. I think before talking about sectors and themes, it's important to keep in mind that when looking to add to your portfolios, search for quality. Timing in and out of the markets for short-term gains, especially times like this, is very hard uh, unless you have a lot of time to sit in front of a screen and invest. 
So when we look at stocks, we look at recommending stocks with a slightly longer term approach. Uh, we call them the moats plus growth approach. Now, what do we mean by this? We look to filter stocks that have near to medium term earning certainty and have strong competitive moats that others can't easily get past. This allows companies like that to pass through higher costs and also have very resilient margins. So think about companies that have strong brands or IP or, or, or large market share. At the same time, we look for stocks that have the potential to accelerate growth because they're tied into some medium-term theme, such as growing regional consumption or supply chain shifts, which we talked about, sustainability, or even a very specific government policy support. From this context, we like sectors such as the banks, gaming, consumer discretionary for sectors that have fairly uh, strong moats. And for growth, we like sectors such as industrials, defense, healthcare, hospitality, alternative energy, technology manufacturing. Investors, they should look to balance their portfolios with some moats plus growth and own quality companies, uh, those that have very strong cash flows, strong management teams, and most importantly, very strong corporate governance as well. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest, Dylan Vikramasinghe, Research Director at Maybank Securities. Dylan, let's further narrow down to Singapore. This is a stock market which is often said to be hugely undervalued. There are stocks which are trading at very low PEs and price to book, despite the companies generally doing quite well. Singapore is also rated as one of Asia's best markets in terms of dividend yields. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, part of the low PE, PB multiples has been Singapore's index mix. Uh, we have a lot of old world value-oriented companies. Uh, more than 80% of the STI is value stocks. These tend to trade at lower multiples than growth stocks. For example, despite the recent corrections, Amazon trades at about 38 times forward PE, while Singtel trades at around 15 times. There is one thing that you need to note here. During periods when interest rates keep rising, Singapore actually tends to outperform global equities. This is also because of its value orientation. When you have a lot of high-quality companies that are very uh, cash flow generative, and have very good uh, earnings and dividend visibility, there tends to be more funds flowing into those companies uh, than for much more uncertain companies. So I think, I think especially during this time, you do see that the PE multiples for Singapore is actually starting to rise and have risen. Okay. So, I mean, we are very heavily stacked with value stocks. And uh, value stocks seem to underperform when, when rates go up compared to growth stocks. Is that what you're saying? No, value stocks actually tend to outperform, outperform during times when rates go up, while growth stocks tend to outperform when rates go down. So what's your outlook for the Singapore market, Dylan? Where do you see value and why? Yeah, so we are still very positive on Singapore. As a market, it has proven to be resilient through the pandemic, through Russia, Ukraine, and the supply chain disruptions. It has outperformed globally as well as regionally. Uh, most sectors have displayed at least some partial ability to pass on the higher costs, and balance sheets are generally low on gearing. So this gives them some shielding from the higher interest rates as well. We also see five key catalysts that could drive uh, the market higher from here. 
Uh, the first is GLC restructuring and value unlocking. We saw that with Capital Land, Semcorp, Keppel over the past uh, couple of years, and we think there's more to come. There's also, uh, I talked about this earlier, increasing demand for ESG flows, and Singapore offers a lot of companies that fit that bill. Supply chain relocations is also another catalyst. COVID resilience, uh, we've got one of the most vaccinated populations, I think, in the world, and that provides uh, additional shield. And then finally, uh, Singapore companies going overseas for m and we saw that with DBS and UOB going overseas and acquiring assets, and I think that's, that's a trend that you'll see uh, more over the next few years. Finally, we also have a very major tailwind with China reopening. We saw the recent PMI numbers in China. The economy is holding up quite well. It's actually coming out of COVID very, very strongly. And regionally, Singapore is one of the most sensitive to China's economic recovery. Exports to China as a percentage of GDP makes up about 17%, the highest in ASEAN. Chinese inbound travelers add nearly 1% to Singapore's GDP. So in terms of sectors that we see value, we continue to like the banks. Net interest margins are going to stay higher for longer. The wealth management side, I think, should start to come back this year. We also like the industrials from this big shift towards green energy, which is a major growth area for companies like uh, Semcorp and Keppel, um, and also increased uh, spending on aviation and defense, which will be a positive for companies like ST Engineering. Also sectors to look at uh, gaming and hospitality, particularly with the increase in inbound travelers, especially from China. Healthcare, which should get a policy support boost from the healthier SG overall policy that the government is putting together. And then also telecoms, given all the restructuring and value unlocking that we've seen, and I think you'll continue to see over the next uh, few years. Excellent. Yeah, one of the biggest acquisitions of late has been uh, SAT's uh, acquisition of WFS. 1.8 billion plus uh, acquisition as well. Yeah, very good points, very good points. Finally, Tilan, what are the top stock picks for Singapore and around the region for Maybank Securities? Perhaps you could provide some colour and detail on this front. Sure. So, I mean, across the region, I think we, we are following a very balanced approach when it comes to stock picking, very much based on what we talked about earlier. So look for quality companies, very strong moats, and have growth that are tied to medium-term to long-term themes. Now, let's start with Malaysia, where there is continued uncertainty in in terms of GDP deceleration, uh, policy and political risks. Here, we like companies like Inari, uh, which is leveraging on 5G deployment, as well as a lot of their earnings are externally driven. Yinsen is a play on the energy theme. And RHB Bank, uh, who will be a beneficiary of rate adjustments, And in Singapore, we like DBS on the China reopening theme as well as margins expanding, Semcorp Industries for green energy as well as conventional energy growth. And for a small cap, we like Food Empire, which has a cheap valuation, very strong growth and could actually be a potential takeover target. Uh, In Indonesia, we like ICBP, MAPI and Kalbe Pharma for their very strong consumer growth theme. And finally, if we, when you take Thailand, we like BJC, Mega, and Tidlaw, again, from a consumer angle as well as a consumer financing uh, angle. Thank you, Tillon. Excellent. So there you have it from one of the sharpest minds in the regional equity markets. The bottom line is China's reopening provides a lot of opportunity for Southeast Asia. Moats plus growth is a strategy that Maybank Securities recommends. ESG is a theme that will play into the market. 
And Singapore market in particular is stacked with, uh, with value plays. And value plays can reward investors handsomely in volatile times like this when interest rates are stubbornly high. Thank you, Tilan, for taking time out to share your thoughts with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Invest Talk, a new series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. I'm Ben Srinivasan, Associate Editor at the Straits Times. If you'd like to read our columns, there are links in our podcast text description. Happy investing. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note... All analyses, opinions, recommendations and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.